0: Contrary to popular belief, professionalism is not dead on Football and Other F-Words. Welcome into Football and Other F-Words. My name is Zach Lyons and I am joined by Michael Herndon. You can follow me on Twitter at f Pod. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Miracles. We are brought to you by Broadwaysportsmedia.com. We have mock drafts up. We have all your free agency articles up. Anything you need to know, need to know anything about actual the terms and contracts and how to break it down. We have that. How can the how could have the Titans you know gotten about $50 million in cap space? That'd have been pretty easy if they would have read Mike Mir- Mike Miracle's article over here. So you need to read Mike Miracle's article go to broadwaysportsmedia.com get your subscription we do have free articles that are released on the daily on the reg so please just get over there and head over to broadwaysportsmedia.com the most comprehensive Tennessee Titans sports website in America and possibly the world mike how are you doing this morning it's probably my favorite time of year I, it's kind of like christmas yeah. i lauren yesterday when she got home you know, I, I work from home some days. We were we were painting the uh, having the house painted, and uh, she last night we were making dinner. And she goes, "You have been on your phone all day." I said, "It's free agency, baby."
1: Yeah, free agency day. It's it's a great it's a great day because frankly, like you know, we can all speculate. We speculate and speculate and speculate. Right from the day the Titans were eliminated from the playoffs until today or yesterday you speculate and speculate. Oh, what are they going to do? What are they going to do with this guy? And you just like run yourself in circles. I feel like by the time free agency actually gets here and it's like, okay, so let's reveal what are they actually going to do? And I, I think it tells, I think you can learn a lot about what they do in free agency. I think it tells you about uh, it's actual actions that tell you about what they thought about last year's team and what the problems were there. And, and maybe some of the players uh, what their evaluations were on some of their own players, some of, uh, you know, the issues that they might have had. It also tells you what they want to be uh, in 2021, which is exciting. It's exciting to find out. I mean, you can agree or disagree with the moves, um, you know, individually you can agree or disagree with the, the moves as a collective movement, which direction that they're going as a franchise, but it's exciting to see what their vision is for, uh, this team because frankly the titans have gone in a good positive direction for most of the past five years under john robinson obviously he had some huge whiffs last offseason and we'll be trying to avoid those this year but um it's interesting to see uh kind of how he continues to mold this thing especially as they they move into a new era as far as the cap goes with expensive contracts on the books for Tannehill and, and henry and some of those guys
0: Well, let's get into it. Uh, You know, speaking of movement and all this stuff, for the longest time, it really didn't feel like there was going to be any movement by the Titans. And then, you know, like I think, I guess it was like 5 or 6 p.m. hits, and then boom, it all, you know, goes crazy. But let's talk about how they moved on from their own players. Corey Davis hits the market, Johnny Smith hits the market. Let's start with Corey Davis first. Uh, Corey Davis got a three-year, $37.5 million contract with the New York Jets. Um, he has a signing bonus of, and I apologize, Spotrack um, has it listed as $2 million, but it's 2.3 for three years, and I'm not doing the math this early, so you do the math at home. Um, and $27 million guaranteed. He has a cap hit of $9.3 million in 2021, which is that's the number that matters. And then 2022, it's 15.3. And then get out of it after two years with a $2.3 million dead cap. We were talking before the air, and I've talked uh, a little bit in the chat group and everything. Relatively inexpensive, I feel like. And I understand that's a year where the cap is low. And technically, we didn't have a lot of cap space. But this is relatively inexpensive for what you could have done. and and really, just because the Jets pay 9.3 on this kind of a contract doesn't mean that every team could have had to pay 9.3. We could have paid 7.3 and maybe have it a 17.3 million dollar cap hit next year and then you rework it and then all this stuff. the cap's going up in 2022, caps going up in 2023. I've been a big proponent of it doesn't matter what those year's cap hits are. You can always work away around it, add stuff, restructure, like we've talked about with other contracts that the Titans could have done. So $9.3 million cap hit this year. No Corey Davis. And then also, this is also related to you no know, Jonu Smith. Mike, did they handle the Corey Davis and Jonu Smith signing correctly? And how do you feel about the Corey Davis contract currently?
1: So... I would have I would have, if presented with the contract that Corey Davis ended up signing, I would have absolutely signed him to that deal. I, I think he's I think 12 and a half million per year is, is relatively reasonable uh, for him. Um, he's you know not it, it's kind of I don't know, it's kind of hard to to rationalize, right? Because he's not gonna be a wide receiver one for the Titans because AJ Brown is here. Um, but can he be a wide receiver one? I think you saw in spots last season when Brown was out with that knee injury early in the year, I thought you saw Davis step up and, and act like a wide receiver one. So him uh, getting, you know, roughly, yeah, definitely wide receiver one money. I can understand why they're going, all right, that's that's probably not what we're what we're wanting to pay for a guy who's only going to be the second passing, you know, the second receiver on our roster uh, at any point in his career at this point. So I can understand them thinking they can replace him for cheaper. Cause frankly, like the rest of the free agent market at wide receiver is, is nice. The wide receiver uh, draft class is fantastic. There are some really um, appealing options to replace that can give you, I think 90% or 95% of what Corey Davis can give you at maybe half that price. So I think that's probably where they're going to go. And and if that is how they approach it, I get it. Um, but I don't think that's a bad value deal for the Jets. And I would have been perfectly happy to have him back uh, with the Titans at that price. Price tag.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I. what's interesting is that you sort of had conflicting opinions about what the Titans did or wanted to do in regards to Corey Davis, right? In regards to also Johnny Smith. I mean, we saw that Diana Rossini reported yesterday that they felt they didn't have the cap room to bring both of them back and they chose to bring neither of them back. And we don't know really what the negotiation process was like. We know based on Logan Ryan and Casey um, Jarrell Casey that they tend not to or uh, the, keep the players in the dark. So we don't really know what what ex- exactly happened in these particular situations with the Titans. And then you have conflicting reports from, and maybe reports is a loose term. I know that Buck Rising had that he's hearing some stuff and TD's hearing some stuff, and then. PK throws out a pretty, you know, innocuous reply into a tweet that not technically sure if his his opinion or something that he was hearing, but they Buck and T D were thinking that Corey and the Titans were trying to work something out. And then I believe they and then there was uh and PK kind of put a little reply, and I was trying to find it so I don't butcher it, but I couldn't find it. But it essentially was that they weren't bringing him back. And this was like a week and a half, maybe a week ago. Don't know who to believe. Uh, and I don't know exactly what it prompted PK, if that's just opinion or if that's something that he heard. Um, but. Seems like they could have brought Corey Davis back and and I get it. Your people are going to say, well, we only have to do, currently without Bud Dupree. We only have 12 point something million dollars in cap space and blah, blah, blah. Approach your guys or force your guys to take restructures. I mean, that's that's the thing that kills me is that you literally have Roger Saffold putting out in a tweet, restructure me, baby, pretty much, or something. Because, I mean, players, I think, ultimately, if you come to a player and say, hey, we need to restructure you to, A, keep someone on your team, or B, where you want to build a Super Bowl contender in this limited Super Bowl window, uh most of them are probably gonna go for it. I, I feel like it's very rarely would someone say, No, please don't pay me more money up front.
1: And and here's here's <laughs> the like, thing, I feel like me. I feel like we've learned a lot about uh restructures here over the past few months. So one thing that, that we know, you know, Joel Corey mentioned this on Twitter um a while back, I think actually several years ago, but most contracts especially second contracts not necessarily rookie deals but most contracts uh, are written with language that allows the team to restructure their deal and convert salary into bonus without even asking the player like they the player does not have to give permission the team has unilateral right to do that uh, if they so choose at any given point so in that that I think still could be why we haven't heard anything or seen anything from the Titans, as far as restructures go, they could just be sitting there going, look, we'll restructure these deals when we know how much money we actually need to restructure. Because what you don't want to do is like unnecessarily restructure too much and then not be able to land the free agents that you wanted to spend the money on. And then you're sitting on a bunch of cap space and then you've got weird cap hits in the next two years. That's going to hamper your available spending money. So, I mean, I think it's it's possible that there are still going to be some restructures that we just won't hear about them until they actually need the money. But we also know, as far as like you mentioned, a player agreeing to it. PK in his uh, he reported this past weekend some kind of details on how restructures work and stuff like that specifically with the Titans, and he mentioned uh, a lot of times the way that it's set up is you're not even getting that money as a bonus. Like you, you think signing bonus, you think they hand them a check for $10 million or whatever the, the bonus uh, is. He reported that the way the Titans set it up and the way a lot of teams set it up is that the bonus is paid out over installments. So it's really not very different than how they would be paid during the season. If it was regular salary, they're just calling it a bonus on paper. Um, and they can do that within the the rights of the CBA um, just to move stuff around in the cap. So restructures are incredibly easy to do. They don't usually involve any uh, necessary agreement from the players. They also don't really require any different pay structure as far as money going out to two guys. The only difference being that, if you take non-guaranteed money and turn it into guaranteed money that you have to put that money in an escrow account by April 1st. So that's the only real difference from a team cash flow standpoint that, that you'd be looking at with any of these restructures. So, so like these are um, super easy, super simple. It's a no brainer if they need the cap space to just go do it.
0: Well, don't you then try to keep the core of your offense and go to Ryan Tannehill and say, Hey, we're going to restructure you baby because we're going to bring back Corey and Johnu, And we are going to run this offense back instead of basically currently only having uh, a J Brown and cam Batson as your two guys currently. I mean, obviously they could go do yeah. more stuff, But I mean, if you're gonna restructure Ryan Taniel, don't you restructure him? Don't you restructure him for the guys that you got that he's familiar with? Like that to me screams like either A, they don't really believe in Corey or Johnny, or B, they think they can do it with a little bit lesser talent and you know, unfamiliarity.
1: Yeah, I think, though, I think, and John Robinson has spoken about this publicly before. So it's not just me projecting or anything, but John Robinson very much adheres to the idea that he will put a value on a player and think, all right, this is what this player is worth. And he's not willing to spend above that. So I, I think it's a relatively regimented process. And I think what these guys signing elsewhere tells us isn't that the Titans couldn't afford to do it or didn't have the money to do it. It's that they felt like their value as far as what they bring to whatever team is not what the market paid for them. Um, so I, in, in Johnny's case, we, we haven't talked a ton about him just yet, but 12 and a half million dollars per year for Johnny Smith is a way overpay in my opinion. Like, I would have been really happy at about eight million dollars per year. I would have been able to understand it at ten million dollars per year. I think twelve and a half million dollars for him is crazy. Well, um, we don't know how much but, incentives and all that either. So right, right. I mean it's all different, but it is thirty one and thirty one point two five million guaranteed. Put it this way, Johnny Smith got a better contract than Derrick Henry has. Um, And Derrick Henry just signed his deal last year in a better cap uh, situation, you know, last year as well. So I, who brings more value to the Titans offense, Derrick Henry or Johnny Smith? Obviously the answer is Derrick Henry. Like, so that's why I guess I would have had a problem, even though it's, it's not my money. It's not, you know, it doesn't really matter on game day who, how much the guy's making or whatever, I would have had a problem with them giving Johnny Smith a better contract than Derrick Henry, just on the principle of it, because Johnny Smith isn't a better football player than Derrick Henry. He's a very good football player. I think the the I think he's going to be the toughest guy to replace out of this whole thing. Um, partially, well, we replaced him with I Kendall Lamb, so
0: you know Kendall Lamb's his well, replacement, true, obviously. True.
1: Um, but let, let me let me I, ask
0: yeah, I this. I mean, a I mean. A We'll, we'll get the Johnny here in just a second. Cause I, I'm hoping I'm trying to push Johnny off a little bit. So maybe the contract details come up so we could talk about it a little bit more. Cause right now we're just talking about blanket statements, pretty much in the contract world. But let me ask you this. Is John Robinson too regimented in the way that he approaches the cap and the way he is, he misvaluing players because we saw him spend $9.5 million on Vic Beasley. And he's not willing to fudge some numbers for Corey Davis. Like, is he, where does the value versus judgment, where do you feel that John Robinson is at? Because we see him, Danico Autry, not bad. I wouldn't want that cap hit next year, but the cap's going up, so who gives a shit, right? You know, I we don't know what Audrey Bud Dupree, Dupree, Dupree is, but we know Bud Dupree's getting $16.5 million, which is roughly $1.5 less than some of the other, or more than the other past rushers, and a little bit less than what Matt uh, Shaquille Barrett is making so probably budget priest contract's is not going to be that bad but what about the this value because you brought it up he makes a judgment call here's the value of this player we're not going up over it no matter what is that the way to approach your own guys and then to blow smoke up everybody's ass right I feel like he blew a lot of smoke up everybody's ass saying well you know Johnny Smith is the guy, he's a leader, he's this and that, we want him back, Corey Davis is the guy, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, depending on what the numbers are, you you let them both walk without any, it feels like, if I were to bet, not a lot of negotiation
1: process. I mean, I, I think what the Titans, I think what happened with both these guys, is the Titans talked to both of them, we, we know based on, you know, different reports out there, the Titans were trying to keep both these guys or at least made offers to both these guys. Um, I would guess that those offers were what they were willing to pay to keep them. And, you know, obviously, you know, yesterday, quote unquote, was the opening of legal tampering. But we all know that tampering has been going on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And these agents have been floating numbers back and forth to GMs. Yeah, because you know, Janu was like
0: signed like, five minutes after legal tampering window. Was opened, yeah. Yeah. It was like,
1: us. Oh wow. The Patriots negotiated a, a, you know, a full five year, 50 million, or four year, $50 million deal uh, within an hour uh, on top of like seven other uh, huge contracts. Um, they were really busy apparently during that hour, but um, we know that that's how that works. Right. And so I think that's why we started to hear, all right, the Titans are probably not going to be able to resign these guys because you know, the agents were getting numbers. John Robinson's going, I, I'm i not going to be able to pay that for him. I mean, it's, that's just not what I think he's worth. Now, is that the right way to do it? I don't know. I mean, like, I think on one hand, it, it probably keeps them. They have done a good job when John Robinson has been here of not having these gigantic, onerous contracts that you can't get out of that are just like, albatross is hanging around the neck of of the the salary cap like that's why they've they've got so much financial flexibility right now because they didn't have a ton of bad contracts on the books uh previously like Malcolm Butler's deal looked a little rough to begin with but I think it bared out to be okay they got out of it when pretty much everyone expected them to get out of it um and, and not a whole lot of dead dead cap space or dead cap hits sitting out there for him. So I think that keeps them out of trouble a lot of times, but I don't know. I mean, you de- you definitely – like, there's got to be some middle ground, right? Like, you don't give Jonu Smith a blank check and say, fill in the blank. You right. know, we're keeping you because, I mean – at some point, he's just not worth it, right? You can find a I just sometimes guy they that...
0: lack a little creativity to on some of these. These it's been a year where creativity is king. Specifically, I mean, there is all kinds of weird contracts coming out and all this stuff, and really low cap hits in year one. Like Shaq Barrett's cap hit was what, like four million dollars or something, and he's getting paid more per year than Bud Dupree. Like, there, there's ways to go around it, and I feel like if you truly believed the shit that you said about Johnny Smith and Corey Davis, you may not have to pay them as much as $12.5 million, but you could get creative and try to keep these guys. I mean, like I said at the beginning of the thing, and I, I just feel like sometimes they like a little creativity. Now, I will say we'll, we'll see what the Bud Dupree contract looks like. I think it's going to be a very interesting tell of the tape. For yeah. for that. Um, it's gonna be a very interesting contract.
1: But it, it will be Johnny, in, it's only thirty-five million guaranteed, which tells me they can get out of it after two years if they had to, and definitely after three. Yeah,
0: I, I, I think it'll be a three-year guy because it's forty-two percent, and you gotta think that we don't know what the signing bonus is, right? I mean, that's yeah. that's the key on that deal. Johnny Smith signed a four-year fifty thousand or fifty million dollar contract, and it's got thir- over fifty percent guaranteed in thirty-one two fifty.
1: I think Henry we, had 25.5 guaranteed, yeah, if I remember we, correctly. We
0: don't know what the signing bonus is. I am sure there is going to be a lot of incentives on this, probably yardage, probably uh, going to a Pro Bowl, stuff that he hasn't done before that probably won't count against a cat. That seems to me that would be key in some of these deals. Um, probably some roster bonuses. I would say they probably get out of it three years, if I'm just guessing. Um, you know, yes. 12.5 is a scary number, right? I, I can concede that 12.5 is a scary number, but ultimately how it's, it's, often does that really come to fruition that someone plays it, out an entire contract in today's here's NFL? Here's the
1: thing too, though. It's, I mean, it's 31.25 million guaranteed too, which is a lot of guarantee. And I you've also got to say Johnny Smith last off season was the first off season that he had actually been healthy for it since like his, senior year of college um so he had been banged up quite a bit i know um you know i i just think there's like a little bit of injury concern with him too as far as like just long-term you know knee knee surgery a couple couple off seasons ago i think there's a little bit of an injury hesitation there with me well let me especially ask you with this. that much guaranteed
0: okay so it's 31 250 guaranteed let's say it's a three-year pretty much three years you're out of it right yeah that's 10.4 million dollars per year that you you paid
1: that yeah, like I, that much? I mean sure but i at yeah. the end of the day johnny smith is the third highest paid tight end in football right now
0: and he i think he's the third best tight end in football right now
1: you you, <laughs> you think I mean, he's I better do. than I, darren waller travis yeah. kelsey or george kittle
0: no, the, he's the third best. I think he's better than those Darren are three Waller. guys.
1: <laughs> well, I mean,
0: I I think he's better than Darren Waller. I know people think I'm crazy, but you I think mean, he's
1: better than Darren Waller? I
0: think I think you are he, nuts. No, I well, okay, so even if he's top three, oh, he's top four, and he's getting overpaid by until someone else gets a contract. Like, give me a break. Like, that's I mean, if you are he's we a, really gonna quibble over one ranking spot on? He's
1: he's. He's an above-average tight end. I think he's a, a top ten-ish tight end.
0: Okay, he I, is definitely a top five tight end.
1: Come uh, on, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if he's top. Five. Yeah, I mean, you just we we've argued all week
0: about how he's, he's, he's hard to
1: replace. Yes, he's, he's hard he's, to he's replace. Above, he's valuable.
0: But now now that we're talking money, you want to back off that statement?
1: I mean, he needs to produce at a f- top five level, right? I mean
0: he was until uh, all of the like we've said all this last week uh, and in your mentions in replies he was until Taylor Leone went down and then Tyson Brelo
1: went down and he was I mean he was on pace for tons of touchdowns I don't I don't know that it, I would say he was producing at a top 5 level for before he got in, down. Yes
0: I mean this is I'm not talking wide receivers or running backs included uh, all the pass catchers in America. I'm just talking about strictly at the position of tight end. Yeah, I think he was. I mean, he was on pace to go crazy this year until those injuries happened. He was asked to chip and asked to block more.
1: I mean, he was, he was averaging 46 yards per game. Listen, during yardage, his, his... I don't even
0: care about yardage. Uh, you're tight end, give me <laughs> touchdowns. Touchdowns are what matters in today's NFL. Touchdowns matter.
1: Okay, all right. Move the chains I, and get the touchdown. I, I, like, look, I like Jonu Smith. I argued for him. I think he's a really Man. good player. Money, I, money. I think he's going to be hard to replace, but God, that, that contract is huge for him. Like, do you not agree that that's a huge contract for Jonu Smith for what you get? I mean, we'll see.
0: I mean, we'll see what it is. I, I think that in, in... Here's what I think. And now, these words get misconstrued uh, uh, already, of course, but... I think if you're going to a team like the Patriots, they're going to get super creative and use you constantly. I mean, now listen, I'm not saying that Arthur Smith misused Johnny Smith when I say that. I'm not saying that we didn't invent ways to get, find ways to get him the ball. I mean, we did, obviously. But I think that a team that we have seen take Aaron Hernandez, take Gronk, take these super athletic guys who could both block and catch they put him in spots to succeed now listen there is a big there's a big difference between those two guys and this guy cam newton is, is, is and versus tom brady right now whether cam newton is still the day one starter remains to be seen and all that kind of stuff but if i'm looking at a team that he can go to that he could probably live up to this contract with I would have said it's the new England Patriots, maybe the Kansas city chiefs, obviously, but I mean, Travis Kelsey's there. So that doesn't really matter. I mean, this is a team that will find ways to use him that we're going to look back this year and we're going to say, gosh, I wish we would have done that play more. Oh, we should have done that more. I mean, that's what I think.
1: I, I think they're going to use him because they need to, right? I mean, right. who else do they have? Yeah. Um, and that's the other angle to this with, with both Corey Davis and Johnny Smith. The Titans' pecking order on offense starts with Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. It, that is their 1A and their 1B period end of conversation. I don't know that you pay your third and fourth offensive weapon top five money at their position. Which I mean, I, you Davis, do if you Davis want to stay in a top 20. five
0: offense, in my opinion. If you want to stay in a top-scoring offense, yeah, I think you need to find ways to get can't. creative.
1: You can't pay literally everyone though. They have a they have one of the most expensive offensive Saints lines in football. I would like to disagree have, with you. They have a border they have a the 11th highest paid quarterback in football. They have one of the highest backs in football. AJ Brown is going to get a super mega deal probably next offseason. Um they can't, can't pay everyone pay but the Saints and Tampa
0: Bay do. So, can't pay everyone. I guess the NFC South knows a little bit more than AFC South. So, Johnny Smith now on the Titans. Corey Davis not on the Titans. Let's talk about who is on the Titans. And let's start with uh, Danico Autry because his contract details are up and ready. Danico Autry is about to turn 31, if I'm not mistaken, this year, uh, July 15th, a day before my uh, birthday. He is from the Colts, had 7.5 sacks last year. He is essentially replacing Daquan Jones. And he brings a pass rush element to the defensive line that we are desperately have been in need of. And while Daquan Jones is great, great at what he does, which is a run-stopping defender on the line, Denico Autry just brings that element. He is also from Mississippi State, which is exactly where Jeffrey Simmons is from. Last year, like I said, 7.5 sacks. Daquan Jones had two sacks. He signed a three-year, $21.5 million contract with the Tennessee Titans, including a $6 million signing bonus, $9 million guaranteed, and average annual salary, blah, 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 You know, average salaries, I'm out on those. The most important part, 3.5 cap hit this year, 8.6 next year, and 9.2 the year after that. Obviously, we can get out of the contract after 2022, with a $2 million cat dead cap hit pretty good little signing. I would have to say the cap goes up next year. So I'm not too worried about that cap hit of 8.6 or whatever, but in terms of upgrade, you know, that was our big thing in our big talk last week was replacing Daquan Jones and some of these players with, with leaders, right. With these guys, that also can produce and Denico Autry really is to me, an upgrade over Daquan Jones in multiple facets of the game, but we don't really lose that leadership. I mean, when you look at what Denico Autry was able to do, I mean, he, he was able to get 37 total pressures versus Daquan Jones who got, um, in the 20s, my computer's being really low to loaded up, but he got in the 20s in total pressures. That's double-digit difference in pressures, not only just, you know, difference in sacks. This is a guy that teams have to account for along with Jeffrey Simmons, whereas Daquan, they could probably get away with a little bit and not worry too much. And we saw that when Jadavion Clowney went out, teams were able to focus on... Uh, you know Jeffrey Simmons a little bit more, but now with Bud Dupree and Danico Autry, Jeffrey Simmons should feast, and he should be healthy as well. That's important to say. Great deal. Great first signing. When I saw it, I was very surprised, and now we see the numbers. Not that bad. What are your thoughts on the deal?
1: I absolutely love this signing. This is my favorite signing so far because – Cost-wise, he's a great value. I, I think, you know, obviously $3.5 million cap hit this year is, is you know, pennies to pay uh, for this kind of player. And then even the even the next two cap hits don't really scare me. Um, you know, like you said, the, the cap's going up. And frankly, if he continues to produce at the level he's produced the last three years uh, over the next three, then the Titans will have an absolute steal. I mean, the guy has 20 sacks. Uh, in, in the last three years um, he had seven and a half last season paying that kind of money for a guy that had seven and a half sacks and, and over 30 pressures is a, a huge bargain especially when you look at the other contracts that that edge rushers were getting uh, yesterday and let's let's also say that you know while Autry did play on the edge some for the Colts, like they, they play a four, three, he lined up as kind of a, a defensive end a lot and then would kick inside and, and rush interior uh, rush on the interior as well. From time to time for the Titans, he's going to be more of a five technique. He's going to be, to me, he's not a Daquan Jones replacement. He's more of a Jack Crawford, uh, massive upgrade. Um, Cause that's the role he's going to play more so than the nose tackle uh, role that the Daquan largely filled But so if you look at those pressure numbers and apply them on the interior, which Autry is not when he was lined up outside, he was not a win around the edge with speed guy. He's very much power rusher. He's a win inside kind of guy. He's an interior penetrator putting him next to Simmons. I think he's going to be outstanding for the Titans. He's super long. He's super powerful. He's really good with his hands. Um, You know, I absolutely love this trade. I I thought Autry was – and I think I've said this on the podcast. I know I've said it in articles and stuff like that. Autry, I called him when he was with the Colts, one of the most underrated players uh, in the NFL. And he is – really really good it, it, when the Colts law the Colts were without him uh you know it, Buckner obviously got the headlines when the Colts got got gashed by the Titans in that that second matchup of the season last year but they also didn't have Autry for that game and that made a big difference he can defend the run well he can give you some pass rush he is a do-it-all kind of guy and he is I think he's going to be fantastic uh, for the Titans, and I think it's huge that they got him. If you look at some of the Colts' riders that cover the team, they're all very, very concerned about this loss for the Colts' defense and especially losing him to a division rival. So I I think this is a a home run signing by the Titans.
0: Let me ask you this. Is on paper and in theory – Danico Autry and Jeffrey Simmons the best one-two punch we've had on the defensive line for a whole season since Vandenbosch and Hainsworth?
1: Well, Vandenbosch wasn't really interior necessarily. Um, Yeah, I don't know. It'd have to be Hainsworth and somebody, though. Yeah, Um, because
0: to me, that I mean, like, yeah, Jarrell Casey and Jeffrey Simmons played for a little bit, but not the whole season, right? We didn't get a full thing of that. And Casey was a little bit you know, on the downside of his career. And then you
1: could maybe they, say Carl Klug, but Klug was
0: Carl, Carl Klug.
1: Carl Klug was a nice player. He was a nice player, but uh, he wasn't to the level of, all
0: Listen, players, if, if sure. we're comparing to Nico Autry to Carl Klug, this is a way overpay. I'm out. I'm out on. I'm, now, out I'm not comparing
1: like... <laughs> those two. I'm saying like Jarrell Casey at his peak plus Carl Klug, Ooh. like because Casey Man, at been... his peak was better than either, either of these guys <laughs> right now, I think.
0: But let let but, me say this. Does that not just send shivers up your spine that okay, if that is the the duo that we're comparing these two guys to like uh, no, you know. I mean, that's, no, no, I mean no, I think no, no, that's listen, the closest listen, listen.
1: in recent history. Well, that's history. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah.
0: Isn't that a sad state of affairs for this defensive line that has plagued that was been our big thing, right? When when Casey was on this team, that everybody said we need to find Casey some help, right? Yeah. Casey, needs, Casey needs help. And then my biggest worry was that w- we saw that the Titans thought, okay, Jack Crawford is this third guy, right? <laughs> like, I, and then Daquan Jones, who's not a pass rusher. It, it seems that they realize they don't want to waste Jeffrey Simmons. So, like, to me, this is a very good sign. Don't, when I say compare, I just think it's bad that, like, those are the guys that we, we have to compare to. Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's a sad state of affairs, is what I'm saying. Like, if you're going yeah. all the way back to like 2008, you know, 2006, to find the second best defensive line on paper and in theory to this one, that's that's pretty scary. <laughs> that's it's a that's a that's a horrible state of affairs for the Tennessee Titans.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's, it. I. You know, this is this is really good for them. I think it also tells you exactly what they thought about the Titans, you know, in, in this combined with, with the Dupree thing, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, I think it tells you what the the Titans want to be, right? Like it tells you like, we need to get after the passer more, which obviously everyone knew. Um, but I think it, this is, while I don't think he's a like for like replacement as far as what position and role they're going to play, he's definitely taking Daquan Jones's money, right? Like right, this is right. the money that you would have given to Daquan Jones. You're giving it to Autry and you're giving it to a guy who can get after the pass or more. And yeah, Daquan Jones may be a better run defender than Autry, but you know, Autry's still a good run defender. Um, but I think this tells you the Titans recognize at all costs we have to stop being a sieve against opposing passing attacks like the, this has to has to end and if we have to trade off a little bit of run stuffing uh to get a pass rushing uh presence on the interior we're gonna do that so i i applaud this move in every sense of the way it's it's my favorite signing so far
0: before we get to the big the big guns the big signing
1: Kendall let's lamb. talk about Kendall lamb <laughs> Oh, I thought you were talking about Sorry. the big gun. Was, was no, let's
0: talk about Johnny Smith's replacement, Kendall Lamb, who famously <laughs> scored a touchdown in the red zone and will, will, has now has, he had as many red zone touchdowns as Anthony Furkser did in 2020. So, Kendall Lamb, obvious replacement. He can block really well and he can go out and catch the ball.
1: Red zone tight end.
0: Red zone tight that, end. What?
1: what is it with the Titans and and only signing tackles that score touchdowns? Like that, that is such a weird trend. And I'm kind of here for it to be right. honest with you.
0: It's a two year, $6.8 million contract. And when he signed, I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? I've never heard of this guy. And like, Hey, kudos to you and uh Titans film room for both realizing he's the one that caught a pass against uh, the Tennessee Titans last year. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's etched so in my memory
0: cap hit is 2.6 million this year and then 4.1 next year. And, but they can get out of it after this year with an 850 K dead cap hit. Obviously this is to replace Tyson Simbrello. a little bit more expensive than I feel like Tyson Simbrello's contract was last year. Um, he has a per-game active bonus is what uh, makes up a lot of his incentives. And those are technically likely to be earned because he was active for most of the games last year in Cleveland. When he did start last year in Cleveland, um, he had a pretty good game. Now, granted, it's against the New York Jets, so let me do preface that. But he played left tackle at that position, and he um, only allowed one sack that whole game. And he only, that's the only sack he allowed technically. Of course, he only played 190 snaps the whole year. But you're talking about a guy that, technically, by looking at the allowed pressures that he's had in the time that he's had, the last time that he played meaningful snaps was back in 2018 at the Houston Texans. So there is a connection there uh, because he was been with Houston from 2015, 2018.
1: He played nine yeah connect signing
0: he played 929 snaps 946 of them at right tackle he only allowed five sacks that whole year um not too bad not a bad signing you know we kind of talked like okay you got him as a tackle with a two uh two point um cap hit and then you have dennis kelly as a 6.8 cap hit i believe Sure, you could cut Dennis Kelly and maybe this is a little backup just in case and save $3 million against the cap. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but it is something that is a possibility. But what do you make of this signing? Purely depth, writing on the wall for Dennis Kelly, or is this a smarter move to make sure that we don't have to worry about offensive tackle till late in the NFL draft?
1: I, I think this is the Tyson Brelo sign signing. I think it is a swing tackle. I think it's going and getting depth uh, to back up Taylor Lewan and Dennis Kelly. I, I don't think Kelly's going anywhere. I think Kelly's a better player than this guy. Um, although, you know, his PFF grades are what they are, right? Like, I, I don't necessarily think they're always reflective. I, I think had the beef with some line, PFF when we get later on Yeah. Down I think for offensive line, they're they're better than whatever else is out there, right? Like if you're just looking for a snapshot of who a guy is, PFF grades him out generally pretty good, at least for a backup tackle. He's in that 60, like mid sixties to upper sixties range each of the last three years, which is average to slightly above average, Um, but better pass blocker than a run blocker, according to PFF. Now, I'm not gonna pretend like I've sit sit here and grind the tape on Kendall Lamb uh, this off season. So I'll have more thoughts on him specifically when when I have some time to actually get in and take a look at him. But um, I know his pro day results from uh, Appalachian State. He had a really nice uh, short shuttle, 20 yard short shuttle of 4.61 and a three cone of three point or 7.39, uh, which are both really good numbers for an offensive tackle. He's also got huge hands at 10 and a quarter. Um, so some things that you like uh, from a, a just size speed uh, or size quickness kind of kind of angle. Um, so I'm interested to watch him. i you know, you, he's a guy that you probably hope doesn't play a ton. I, You know, he'll probably be their jumbo, ta- jumbo tackle, and, and maybe he'll catch another touchdown this year. They love doing that kind of crap. Um, but
0: We're going to split I, him and Aaron Brewer out wide.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, I mean, they are probably, like, in the top five among the wide receivers on the roster right now. Uh, I know Kendall Lamb, I believe, has more touchdown catches than everyone on the roster except for maybe, let's see, obviously A.J. Brown. And then maybe uh I guess Batson has one touchdown does and Marcus Johnson and Chester Rogers, I think have touchdowns in the NFL, but besides those four, I think he has more touchdowns than any of the other receivers on the roster. So that's, that's something.
0: Yeah. I, I, I think it's a, it was a curious day one signing, but speaking of curious signings, I mean, obviously we need tight end, but i I hate that the news today was oh it's Jeff Swaim that's the that's the signing today to start this, to kick kickstart NFL free agency Tuesday. It's Jeff Swaim. Jeff Swaim's coming back. The Swaim John event, Glenn. yeah, reported and broke. The news broke by our, our own John Glennon. Jeff Swaim, baby, Swaim event is back, just in time for WrestleMania season. Um, Jeff Swaim, ugh. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, I, I get
1: it. I, mean, I liked, I liked what he did here. I thought he was mostly good uh, last year in kind of that blocking tight end role. Um, it just it
0: signals know. what we do, right? Like that's the thing with yeah. Jeff Sway, Michael Pruitt, and yeah, Anthony Furkser. Big that's, red flags of what we're doing.
1: Well, that's yeah, that's the struggle with replacing Johnny Smith, right? Because Johnny Smith is on the field. He can run block, he can certainly hang with you as a run blocker and and the Titans had no problem lining him up in line and and just running the football behind him. Uh, And he could also flex out, play some wide receiver, play in the slot. He could, you know, be a threat in the passing game, be a threat in the screen game. There was so much that you could do with him. Um, Jeff Swayman doing any of that crap. He is a run blocker who occasionally will catch a pass if the defense forgets about him, right? Like that's that's who he is. That's who Michael Pruitt is. Anthony Furthers is the opposite. Anthony Ferkser is basically a slot receiver um in a in a tight end's body. Um so, you know, there's nobody on the roster currently that you can stick out there and really have that dual threat, you know, where where defenses have to be concerned about both um so i don't i don't know that that guy is in free agency either right like i mean maybe if i squint hard enough gerald everett um you know kyle rudolph isn't like a bad player but he's very boring i mean maybe Um, hunter
0: henry i mean i guess uh,
1: he's not a great blocker yeah i'm not crazy about hunter hunter henry i don't think he blocks and he's hurt too much but that's why that's why i thought johnny smith was the guy that they should have tried to resign now twelve and a half million dollars i still think that's crazy
0: it's all funny money mike
1: it's just, it's just it's just hard to replace what all the things that he did for them even if he didn't put up huge numbers doing it um so yeah it's Swaim certainly isn't a Johnnie Smith replacement, but he at least gives them uh, one tight end on the roster now. As, uh, and I'm sure they're going to tender uh, Anthony Ferkser as well as a restricted free agent. So I would expect Swaim and Furkser at least to be back at this point, and we'll see what else they add there.
0: All right, the big signing, and supposedly, according to PFF, the worst signing of of the Titans day, and, uh, day one as a whole, But Dupree signs with the Tennessee Titans. Five year, eighty two point five million dollar contract with thirty five million dollars guaranteed, average annual salary that does not matter for any reason whatsoever. Sixteen point five million dollars. I have been noted. I'm a noted Bud Dupree skeptic.
1: Yeah, and
0: and to be honest, though, I don't really think this contract's going to end up to bite the Titans in the ass. I think he's going to be ready by the start of training camp. I think he's an obvious improvement over everything that we have on the roster. Besides maybe Harold Landry, he plays a ton of snaps and we see that the Tennessee Titans love to just wear the shit out of their edge defenders and just <laughs> play them constantly. So this is good. Bud Dupree and um, Harold Landry are never leaving the field. And they can have uh, picnics like him and T.J. Watt did in the backfield of opposing quarterbacks. Paired this with Danico Autry, the Titans have gone a long way to try to improve their pass rush. What I like about Bud Dupree is that he's fast. He's quick. And I saw this play thanks to Titans Film Room's current hype video for Bud Dupree. Which and is he was good. also he's a skeptic. Yeah, you should go check it out at Titans Film Room on Twitter, and he's also a skeptic. But you know, hype videos are clout, clout is king. There was a play where Kyler Murray tries to juke uh, Bud Dupree, and Bud Dupree still tackles his his little fella ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of when Rashawn Evans got juked by Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game. And that lets me know, Oh, Bud Dupree's not going to get juked like that. So I'm pretty excited after diving into some Bud Dupree and all this stuff after like two or three weeks, I've been reading up more and more on Bud Dupree watching more and more games. Cause I felt like that was the sign, right? I mean, that was it. I was, I made peace that Carl Lawson was not going to be here in 2021. He was not signed with the Titans two weeks ago. It just felt like when everybody gets hype about one player and that player was Carl Lawson this year, it never (laughs) ever happens. It feels like Clowny Watch was the first and the only. Uh, But I I started watching Dupree and I started to change my mind. And at, the, at at some point, about three weeks ago, I said, just sign someone in this top-tier edge class of free agencies. That's all I care about. Just sign anybody. I, I, I softened up on Bud Dupree. I like what I see. I, I like that he brings in elements of, of total pressures, elements of quarterback hits, sacks. He plays this explosive style of football where he is just – he pops off the screen when he, he plays. Is,
1: he is an – Unbelievable athlete and and just super powerful and I uh, I do have to say like this will give some some Titans fans PTSD and I'm sorry for that but physically a lot of the the stuff that he does reminds you of Clowny um, because he's got that explosive athletic ability he's got that punch in his hands like he has got really powerful uh hands when he gets when he gets his paws on you like he he, it stuff happens like and and he will absolutely there are hits in his highlight reel that are bone jarring just like unbelievable shots he's the guy that hurt Drew Locke last year when he got a hit on him uh it was a sack fumble uh that hurt his shoulder um he absolutely Are, are you
0: advocating for bounty gate
1: I'm not advocating for batting but I'm talking, I'm talking about <laughs> this guy lays some people out. Like he plays a ferocious brand of football and that I think will endear him to Titans fans. I think he, he's a hard worker. He's a great teammate by all accounts. Like you saw all the Steelers, uh, top defenders, Cam Hayward, TJ Watt. Uh, those guys all come out on Twitter yesterday and talk about how, much they were going to miss bud like obviously he's their friend he's you know what, are they, what else are they going to say but i think it speaks to a guy when guys come out strong for a player after they sign somewhere else you know it speaks to hey this guy was well liked um he's a good teammate you know i know ramon foster uh you know on on the uh J. martin ramon show on 104.5 the zone He's been talking about Bud Dupree. He obviously played with him in Pittsburgh um for several years and, and knows him well. So he was He's big been pounding on
0: pounding the table for he Bud has Dupree. Been. He
1: has and I he think
0: that goes a long way to Ramon Foster, who knows about football, obviously, yep. who knows about that Steelers locker room probably better than anybody and what it takes to be a leader, has been pounding the table for Bud Dupree. Yep. And that goes and, a long way with me, in, in my yeah. opinion.
1: Absolutely, yeah, absolutely respect Ramon's opinions on on football and and particularly with guys that he knows well. Um, I feel like Dupree, you know, the differences with Dupree and Clowney is Dupree puts up stats, right? Like Clowney was always the he gets a lot of pressure, but he doesn't get sacks. Dupree is almost the opposite. Like he is finishing plays. He he gets sacks and big numbers, he's put up. 19 and a half sacks over the last 2 years and that's in just 27 games because obviously you missed the last 5 last year with the torn ACL. Um that 19 and a half sacks over the last 2 years it's 8th uh, in the entire NFL among all positions. Um it is uh 7th among edge rushers because obviously Aaron Donald is uh is higher than him in the interior. Um but th- that's in just 27 games. Most of the guys ahead of him have played more games. Um, he also has more tackles for loss than most of the guys ahead of him on that list. So if you want to call him a top 10 edge rusher, I think you can make an argument for that. And you know, that's, that's pretty high praise. And if you're getting an actual top 10 edge rusher to put across from Harold Landry, who's you know, maybe a top 25, top 30-ish edge rusher in the NFL. On
0: whatever stats people are pulling out their ass with pass block win or pass rush right, win rate yeah.
1: and all this stuff. And I'm thinking, is it, is it? Your mileage may vary with some of these stats. Yeah. Like obviously. Because like you can look at one one said the funny thing about it is like ESPN, you can look at an ESPN stat, and then you can look at at a PFF stat that are supposedly trying to measure the same thing, and you'll see wildly different results for some guys. And Dupree is a polarizing guy. Like, PFF hates him. Uh, I think, you know, like, traditional stats love him. Um, I fall somewhere in between. Like, I think he's a little bit risky just because he's coming from Pittsburgh. Like, they had Hayward. They had – To it, they had TJ Watt, they had even Tyson Alu Alu. Uh, They had a really good system around him um, that helped him produce some of these numbers, I think. But if you look at his double team rate numbers from last year, it's not like it was just, oh, well, they always double team Watt, and so he gets a free run. His double team numbers and Watt's double team numbers were pretty much identical last season. So it's not necessarily a will they attract all the attention. I think it's he was a part of a bigger ecosystem that produced a lot of sacks and pressures because everybody was getting after the passer. And when you have everybody getting after the passer, it amplifies everybody's results because if Stefan Tuit is is in the face of the quarterback within you know two point five seconds of the snap and he's forced to to drift deeper in the pocket, all of a sudden he's in Dupree's lap, right? Like this is all complimentary stuff and the Titans obviously don't have Stefan Tuitt or or uh, Cam Hayward or TJ Watts, certainly. But I think Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Autry and Harold Landry are not scrubs uh, either. So I don't know that, you know, it's necessarily going to recreate the, the results that he had in Pittsburgh over the last two years. But if you could get close to it, you're pretty happy with that, especially after what we saw last year, like, you know, if, if Bud Dupree averaged eight sacks over the next three years, I think you're you're very happy, even if it's not maybe the return you'd love off of 16 and a half million dollars per year. You're getting a very productive player for that. So um, there's definitely some risk factors. The ACL is obviously another another avenue or angle to this, um, especially for twenty twenty one it sounds like he's on pace to be ready for training camp. And and he's already shown videos of himself pushing sleds and stuff like that. So obviously hard hard at work on the rehab already. Um, but I don't know. I I'm cautiously optimistic. I think the Titans are certainly better at rushing the passer today than they were yesterday. And ultimately that's, that's what they're trying to do, right? They're trying to move that side of the ball forward.
0: worse, worse on offense, better on defense currently. Yeah, absolutely. Which, which, which- Sometimes you have to give and take, right? You can't, right. if you're trying to improve the defense, you can't, and maybe necessarily keep pieces on the offense. So, yeah. you know, you, you hope to be a better all around team. Let's talk about next steps. Do you feel that they will get another edge rusher in this free agency class? I'm going to name a few out there. Just so people know, you still have Hassan Reddick, which is probably not going to happen. Aldon Smith, Olivier Vernon, Carlos Dunlap, Melvin Ingram, Jadavion Clowney, uh, Terrell Basham, and you got, of course, Everson Griffin, Jabal Sheard, Ryan Kerrigan, Calvin Noy, who may be signing somewhere soon. Um, guys like that that can play out on the edge or or sometimes depend on who they are on the inside. Do you feel that maybe one of these is going to be next on the table to try to keep the pass rush uh, improving?
1: You know, I would, I would absolutely love a Ryan Kerrigan or – Uh, depending on price, Justin Houston or Melvin Ingram. I think, I don't think you can have too many pass rushers. Like I, I I think if you get creative enough with what you can do with those fronts, you can find ways for all these guys to eat, right? Especially if you're bringing in a veteran guy who probably needs to reduce snap count anyways, like Ryan Kerrigan, we've talked about him so many times. It's like, you know, it, it makes so much sense. He makes perfect sense here. Like Bud Dupree and Harold Landry have played a ton of snaps and and are guys that don't really have to come off the field, which is part of their value. But Dupree coming off an injury, it sure would be nice if he had a guy like Kerrigan where he could kind of rotate at least early on as he kind of plays his way back into feeling comfortable on that knee. Um, you know, or even just get Harold Landry off the field for a few snaps and l- keep him fresh. Like it would be great to have a Kerrigan type that you could bring in. You're still getting some juice in the pass rush. He's a good locker room guy, good teammate, good leader like Dupree. Um, and you're just kind of continuing to build that arsenal in that front. I-, I would love to see something like that if they could find it in a, a reasonable contract.
0: Uh, Kareem Hunt. No, not Kareem Hunt. Kareem Jackson was uh, cut yesterday, or they're not going to tender Kareem Jackson. He's going to hit free agency as a safety, the Denver Broncos. Seems like it could come. I mean, don't you think that Mike Frabel, with
1: his history, kind of brings him in to play safety? I think he probably loves Kareem Jackson, although I really, I kind of think Amani Hooker deserves his opportunity, right? He has earned playing time, I could see Kareem Jackson being here, honestly, because what Kareem Jackson could do as well, which is interesting here, he was a corner before he moved to safety. Could you play Kareem Jackson? He plays extremely physical for, for um, anybody who hasn't really watched him. Like He's smallish guy, but he plays very, very physical brand of football. Could you play him in the slot and play him almost like a Tyron Matthew in, in nickel packages? I think you probably could. Um, which would be very interesting to me. Like, I think that could be an interesting fit for them, um, depending on price, obviously, and stuff like that. But he's got that, uh, he's got that variable connection. So, anybody with a variable connection, you've always got to keep an eye on
0: wide receivers currently still out there Juju Smith Schuster, Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller, Curtis Samuel, Antonio Brown, T.Y. Hilton, Marvin Jones, John Brown, Emmanuel Sanders. Do we get one of those guys or do we settle for a David Moore, Marvin Hall kind of depth signing and hope that we, the draft falls our way?
1: You know, I think they're going to sign at least one receiver in free agency there. I, you know, how big a name that is, I think we'll see. Um, but I think they've got to sign somebody that they're comfortable with being wide receiver two day one, right? Like you don't want to go into the draft and say, we have to find our second wide receiver today. Like that, that can't be the position you leave yourself in in the draft. So I think Marvin Jones would be really interesting to me. Emmanuel Sanders would be really interesting to me. Those two I feel like would be home runs. And frankly, if they sign one of those two guys – I'm not that worried about the Corey Davis deal at that point. Like, I think you're replacing him, at least in the short term, you can draft a guy and you'll have a really nice trio at the top of your, your wide receiver rotation. Now other guys, like I have some interest in David Moore, uh, the Seahawks receiver. Um, I would have some, I'd, I, I would have loved Kendrick Bourne. Unfortunately, he went to the Patriots like everyone else yesterday. Um but there are, there are definitely some value guys in this free agent class. Uh, is there anybody that you, that you have your eye on as far as a value guy for wide receivers?
0: Listen, it's not very popular. And I know it's not very popular. And I, I know that I've talked shit about this person on the Flex, a <laughs> fantasy football podcast, a whole lot. And I've made fun of him. But doesn't Will Fuller check off all the boxes that you're looking for as your wide receiver too? He's been, when healthy... And that's the asterisk, a competent wide receiver one down in the down at the Houston Texans. There is obvious history with Mike Vrabel. He is a deep threat, deep big play threat with reliable hands. Doesn't he check off all the boxes which what we're, we've been wanting the Tennessee Titans to get? I mean, we'll, granted, we'll I get it.
1: He scares it. the shit out of me. Exactly. I think I get it.
0: I I know. Listen, that's why I talk so much shit about him. But technically, he was healthy all last year. He Just got suspended for
1: PEDs. So, and, and he was on like a thirteen hundred yard, like fourteen touchdown pace last yeah. year before he got suspended.
0: And, and and to me, that's that's the step up from Corey Davis. It may be in a moderate price range because of that history that we're scared of, but also gives us the deep playability that we we've been wanting the Tennessee Titans, that we've been craving yeah. that the Tennessee Titans get, I, I listen, I know it's Will Fuller. And there's, there's like red flags everywhere, but we've seen that this team kind of, you know, they'll sleep on a pile of red flags if they feel that you could bring, bring something.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of like pissing on an electric fence with him, right? Like yeah. it scares the shit out of you, but it's kind of thrilling too. Right. I right. mean, it's, it's, uh, there is like some level of me that's like, you know, if Will Fuller, and I'm sure the the Texans fans have probably said this for all five years that he was there, like if Will Will Fuller could stay healthy, man, look out! Like how much fun would that be? If he could stay healthy, Will Fuller and AJ Brown would be a handful to. And
0: deal I will with. say, last year was not about health. It was definitely no, about yeah, PEDs. No, absolutely. He did so, stay so, healthy. So, last so technically, he didn't
1: play 16 games. I don't know. Bringing him healthy.
0: here with you know some of our other players who got busted for PEDs, maybe not a good idea to start a drug <laughs> ring. I don't know, but <laughs> but it he, could he help did. Bud Dupree's process a little bit quicker if Will Fuller was here.
1: And, and he is, uh, he Andy is man going to call have will to fuller serve, the candy man that's right he, he's going to have to serve one game of his suspension next year so he would not be available oh, really? for opening day yeah, oh, yeah. so man. he still has one game left but i mean one game out of 17 is not gonna make me not gonna stop me from signing a guy um it's just something that like would be a little bit frustrating when you're and, excited and I like curtis
0: samuel and i like yeah. marvin jones and i like juju and kenny galladay i think they have varying degrees of what they bring to the offense for the Tennessee Titans, and they have varying degrees of, uh, of money, cha-ching, cha-ching. So it will just be interesting, but you know, depending on if you believe these random NFL rumors accounts that pop up every year, apparently there have been talks with Will Fuller with the Tennessee Titans. I don't know how much stock I put into it until I see someone that's reliable, Talk about
1: it. It's easy to connect those dots because of the Rabel connection and all that, obviously, and and the Titans needing a wide receiver. But I mean, it does make some sense, I think. Um, it's it's a a let me let me say this from a football on the field standpoint, it's an absolute dream fit. Like dream fit. I could I can't imagine a better fit for what the Titans would like to have opposite AJ Brown than Will Fuller. Like he is. Uh, it would be beautiful for like the 10 games that he played uh, in any given season. But, you know, obviously it depends price tag versus risk and he's a very risky uh, signing to be sure. I I just, yeah, I, I, that would be very interesting. I, it would be something I'd be excited to see. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I'm uh, a little bit I just bit don't know how with, you like,
0: couldn't terrifying. be, you know, excited for it. And, yeah. you know, I've seen some people say that Will Fuller has a problem with, uh, with drops.
1: He did early in his career. I think he yeah. kind of got over that.
0: So um, he ranked 78th in the NFL in drops last year with two. He had two drops. I mean, that's, you know when you look at AJ Brown having seven, you know, it's not a big difference between the two, but it's also something that I don't think is indicative of where he was at last year. Will Fuller was on, was playing on another level, like you said. And I just, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm being honest, you know, that's what you want. You want Will Fuller who had 16.6 yards per reception and, you know, he ended up with eight touchdowns last year. I mean, that's the k- kind of guy you want. And yeah. you know, I mean, he got. <sighs> Hold on, they they've they've redone the way no cancel. They've redone the way that PFF is, and I'm I'm kind of pissed off at PFF because the they have some they have some problem with their sacks. They have more sacks. They have Danico Autry with
1: nine sacks. So the way they count sacks is always weird. So they don't do half sacks. So if you are involved in a sack, you get a full sack. Uh, oh, so I, gotcha. Yeah. So if uh, if the, he had four half sacks, which would be two sacks via regular counting, it would be 11 sacks for them. So I'm guessing he had four half sacks in there. Uh, the
0: Jaguars and- have signed uh, cornerback Sidney Jones. Um so we can't get out get out of here without talking about the AFC South. And I know we're running a little long, way long, but it's free agency frenzy. Get over it. Yeah, it's fun. The Texans suck. They've signed 19 special teams <laughs> players. And then, and then the Jaguars are just spending money wildly on people that nobody's heard of. And because they can't get big name free agents because nobody wants to come Jacksonville, then the Colts have done nothing but lose people. Besides trading for Carson Wentz, who is basically a loser. So Still on top of the AFC South right now, currently, as it's looking. And the corner market has yet to move. The linebacker market hasn't really done anything either. Do you see the Titans making some plays in free eight? What do you see, if you had to guess, if, whether it's today or tomorrow, in the next 24 to 48 hours, who do you think some some players or positions, let's go positions, who do you think are some positions that we're going to fill over the next 48 hours?
1: I think the Titans are absolutely signing at least one, probably two wide receivers. Um, That's the one that I'm 100% sure on. They are not going to go into the draft with A.J. Brown and Cameron Batson as their top two receivers. That's just not happening. Um, So wide receiver they'll address. I think we'll see them address inside linebacker in some form or fashion, whether that is a starting level player like a Kyle Van Noy or whether that is – uh, like more of a you know, maybe a guy to supplement, uh, like an Eric Wilson. I think you'll see them go get an inside linebacker. Um, and then I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally be surprised by like a nose tackle, uh, you know, depending on what they view Tier Tard as I, with Autry in there, you can make your nose tackle more of that like. Early down only type of guy and make him like a 30% uh snap count type of player. So I think you could probably get Tier Tart to fill that role now, which is part of the value of signing Autry to me. Um, maybe you don't have to spend on a nose tackle. So we'll see there. Um I think you probably do another edge rusher, right? Like at least a yeah, low, you can at least do one more in the corner. Like you yeah. got to get a corner in
0: because it now pick 22 you're a little bit more fluid right you're ne- probably if you sign another edge you're probably going to see hardly any mocks with us as drafting an edge in the first round is what i feel like i feel like if you sign another edge it's eh, that's probably yeah. off the table True. and that's good that's good in this draft class to you wanted to attack edge in the pass rush in free agency and not have to worry about that in this particular draft class. I think wide receiver in the draft is now that, or maybe cornerback, depending on what they do in free agency, are where I'm zeroed in on it at pick number twenty-two.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I think yeah, wide receiver and corner are really, and they're frankly like this is this is part of why I think what the Titans did was smart. I like the wide receiver class. I like the corner class much, much better than I like the edge class or the defensive line class for that matter. Um, so I think spending your money in free agency, and those are spots where you had to get immediate return. Like you could not draft a guy at 22 and wait a couple years for him to blossom as a pass rusher. Um, you needed a guy right now to be good. And, and I think Dupree offers you the opportunity for that. Obviously, Autry gives you uh, immediate returns as well. So that will... I think that takes care of that that spot, but you're more likely to get immediate contributions, I think, out of a wide receiver. We've seen wide receivers all across the NFL step in and be really good from the start over the last couple of years, and this is another really good wide receiver class. So, yeah, I think we need to start talking about guys like Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Toney, um, J.C. Horn. Um, I, I'm basically uh, the, uh, zeroed Drake in Neusen. on Bateman at 22. That's that's all I care about. Bateman at 22. I, I love I've Bateman. I, I'm mm-hmm. with you on that one. Um, if they go if they go sign like a Emmanuel Sanders and go draft Rashad Bateman, I think that's a better wide receiver group than you had last year. I mean, I I, I just think it is. So um I think there's there's paths to looking at the Titans roster and, and having some real reasons for optimism if they can kind of fill the gaps here um, because they've addressed their biggest need, right? There's the, we, we know they've, they had the big need at pass rush. They've addressed it twice already. That is kind of a big box that's been checked. Now it's about filling in around and and replacing a little bit of what you lost at at tight end and receiver.
0: Well, that will do it for us on football and other F words. Um, It's been a great day. I love free agency. That's why these are some of our longest episodes. Uh, the next thing is, is that, you know, of course, we record Broadway Sports Radio tomorrow. Uh, that is our Friday uh, radio show over on Fox Sports Shoals. So we'll do what we did last week. If there's any important news that comes out between now and tomorrow when we record, we will, of course, release that info a little bit early. For you guys that subscribe to Football and Other F-Words, please rate, review, and subscribe. Please follow us on Twitter. Please go to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Maybe I shouldn't ask, please. Maybe I should just tell you to go fucking do it. Go to broadwaysportsmedia.com. Fucking subscribe. What is wrong with you? Go subscribe. Do it. For Mike Miracles, at Mike Miracles on Twitter. For myself, at F-Word Spot on Twitter. This has been Football and Other F-Words, and you have just been effed. A Broadway Sports Media Production.